know if y'all saw the news about, uh, I guess, ULL's budget issue. I, tech in 2020 and 2021, the athletic department lost something like $200,000 or they paid that more than they had. Uh, I think 2022, that escalated to $400,000. Last year, ULL 2023 operated at an $8 million deficit. Oh, in one year? In one year. Holy shit. Yeah. $8 million? $8 million. Maybe that's our issue. Maybe if we gave Sunny Cumby $8 million, we'd be a better football team. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. They also, apparently, ULL lost money by going to the Independence Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> On what? Pork cracklings? Was it their coach that talked shit about Shreveport, too, that people yeah. got mad about? Yep, yep. Well, uh, let me just ignore these North Shore fucks and say that Shreveport's a great place. I, listen, I said the coach talked shit. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was about to. You cut me off. But exactly. I mean, <laughs> but Everybody I hadn't said anything yet. Northwest Louisiana is superior to southeastern Louisiana. Yeah, uh, that is a thing that people sometimes <laughs> try to say. Yeah. <laughs> How many qualifiers did that sentence need, Evan? <laughs> Yeah, they lo- they lost forty three thousand dollars going to the Independence Bowl between How? what they were paid. So they the cost of going, including coaching bonuses and travel, that oh, total came good. to three hundred ninety three thousand dollars. The payout for the team's appearance, oh excuse me, the, the payout for the team's appearance came out to be forty three thousand dollars. So excuse me, they lost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars going God. to the Independence Bowl. Wow. A three-hour trip up the interstate or whatever, and you lose. Yeah, what are they? hundred grand an hour. Fucking charter a jet to get the team up there for (laughs) each player. Yeah, (laughs) that's awful. Fucking helicopter rides. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And Matt, I think it was you. Actually, I think both of y'all said that we would go 2-0 and last week. And that's exactly what we did. The men and the women beat Jacksonville State after the football team failed to a few months back. They did. And uh, I was I did not get to watch much of this. I kept up with it. Obviously, we got to talk about uh, ISO dropping a 30-piece crispy bucket. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, having just a tremendous comeback season. I think that's the one thing that stands out. Uh, from all these games still happy to see that the texters are winning some winning some ball games after that just putrid stretch uh, several weeks ago so there's a lot of positives that came out of this week uh which feels like a strange thing to say as a louisiana tech uh, fan so we'll jump into the men's first Uh, the bulldogs beat the jacksonville state gamecocks 74 to 57 on saturday a road victory so maybe they did hit up that tasty treats van or whatever it was that we found on Yelp (laughs) last week. Yeah. No. And I mean, I I think last week I was a little bit hesitant to say we'd win this game because it's hard to win on the road in conference. Um, So far there have been four road victories in all of conference USA play. Uh, Tech has two of those. So not, not too bad. Yeah. But yeah, like Matt, you mentioned Isaiah Crawford, 30 points against the Gamecocks. 21 of those points were in the second half. That's really yeah. where he turned it on. Career yeah, well, high for Crawford. Um, well, speaking of turned on, uh, it was very fun to watch. 
what are the other numbers on that besides the the obviously the score that you 30 yeah. points but so crawford goes 12 for 16 from the field um <laughs> just one for two from three points so he did a lot of his work inside as well five That's for right. five from free throw he had no rebounds which is interesting uh five steals a block and no turnovers so just about as clean of a game as you could possibly hope for from, you know, Conference USA preseason player of the year, right? The good old, good old James Harden special. Yeah, and he really carried the team. You mentioned the five for five from the foul line, too, just in a way that didn't end up mattering in this game, but just goes to show how much he carried this team in this game. So he's five for five. The team is 15 for 24. So if you take out his five foul shots and just look at how the rest of the team did at the line, that's 10 for 19. 53% foul shooting average is yeah. what? 70, 71% somewhere in there. This was a not great night from a lot of the rest of the team. Draven Magnum had a good night himself. Uh, he was also two of two from the foul line, but it was the ISO show in Jacksonville, Alabama. Sure was, but I'll, I'll never understand why LaTeX struggles so badly from the free throw line. It's come on, Hester. <laughs> come on, somebody. Yeah. It seems to be a, a trope with uh, the men's basketball team not being able to hit from the stripe. One thing they did do well, though, on Saturday was play defense outside of just Isaiah Crawford. This was where the entire team excelled. Uh, yeah. The Gamecocks were 3 of 13. That's 23% from three-point land. And we talked a little bit ago about LaTeX Sports Reports reporting. I don't know, his tweet that mentioned that if Tech holds an offense below 37% from three, they win pretty much every time. And 23% is less than 37%, I think, that math checks 60% out. 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> yeah, and a guy you expect to be good every time, Conference USA leader Kiki Tandy, he only had 14 points. His third fewest allowed this year. I think one of those games of those three was also an FCS or not FCS. This isn't football, a non-division one opponent where he got set down pretty early in that game. But we held possibly the best player in conference USA. I would argue second or third after a couple of our guys, but at least a top five Kusa player kept him in check the entire night. Yeah. And, you know, he was taking a lot of sort of quick release three pointers like he got frustrated early on in the game because he wasn't kind of scoring at the normal clip that he's used to. And so we started forcing him into shots that, you know, they could have gone down, right? I mean, he's a good scorer. His his sort of quick release five feet behind the three-point line shots could have gone in, but they're less likely. So um, I thought Tech did a really, really good job, especially in the second half of just kind of shutting down really everything Jacksonville State was trying to do. Like if you just look at the kind of the flow of the game with 12 minutes left, it's 43 all. And then tech goes on like a 9.90 run basically. and just never looked back from that point, you know, outscores them. I don't know, 31 to 14, the rest of the game in that sort of fourth quarter, if you will. And it was really all defense that did that. And I defense and Isaiah Crawford. <laughs> Yeah, you couple that 21 second half points with the fact that the Bulldogs only allowed five points in the final five minutes, only yeah. one of which was not a foul shot. And you have a recipe for a pretty good night and not quite a recipe for ice cream, but th that that will get you pretty much there. <laughs> you want to use your DBs at Eskies, BB? Eskies did not accept DBs. That's true. 
Yeah. yeah. That was uh, a factual. Tech Express or whatever. Yeah, we have to issue a retraction now for that. <laughs> <laughs> One final note about this game before we move on. 17 turnovers forced, second most of the year against Division One teams by this defense. Just kind of putting a button on our talk about the Bulldog defense in this game. We had mentioned a couple weeks ago about some struggles they had had, and they really came to show what this team should be under Coach Hester. It's this kind of defensive performance, along with your superstar player, Isaiah Crawford. It's not like Jacksonville State was the best team in Conference USA, but they had beaten Liberty as well. I think that was on the road Mm -hmm. in Lynchburg. So they have the ability to beat good teams, but Tech was able to beat them pretty handily by the final score, again, of 74 to 57. Yeah, and I think one last thing for me watching this game, it was really interesting how Hester used um, the bench in this game. You know, it's right now the starters are Bacho, Crawford, Newman, Henry, and Chavez. Henry is is an interesting case because he doesn't usually play a lot of minutes, but um, Chavez... It wasn't his night. He only actually took two shots from the field in this game, um, scored five points, but he's playing 16 minutes here. So off the bench, you've got Terry Miller playing 16 minutes in relief of Bacho. You've got uh, Mangum playing 29 minutes, getting 10 points and eight rebounds. Um, Then Jordan Crawford playing at the point for 16 minutes. But Devin Ree, who we've kind of seen really in like a minor relief role, getting, I don't know, Nathan, maybe you've got the Ken Palm like minutes per game pulled up, but it seems to me like he's probably playing three, four minutes a game. He plays 22 minutes in this game and like really did a good job making sure that that Crawford had some room to maneuver. Yeah. Devin Ree on the season is averaging eight and a half minutes per game. Okay. Uh, but so, so I mean, 22. So it kind of came out of nowhere and uh, I don't, I'll be interested to see like, was that just a matchup thing they thought would work well against Jacksonville State? You know, Terry Miller, I think, was coming ba- back from a foot injury. He's fun to watch. Like, I desperately want him to be Junior Lofton, and I know that's not fair. <laughs> but he just kind of he kind of looks like him a little bit from, you know, from the TV angle. But, man, he has an eye for assists. So, like, he plays in there at the five, and you get the ball inside to him. He'll, he will find an open man. He should be a... Uh... Should be a dermatologist. He has an eye for cysts. Yes, that is definitely what I said. He's fun to watch. Uh, Three assists in this game, one steal. And yeah, it's just, it's fun to watch this group come together. Yeah. Right now, over me. This is Terry Miller. He's only played in nine games so far this year. But you mentioned him getting involved with assists. If you look at Ken Palm, they have something called percent of possessions. So when they're on the court, how often they either get involved in an assist or a shot. And he's used in 28.3%, that's a fun number, of Tech's (laughs) possessions when he's on the court, which is head and shoulders above anyone else on the team. And he hasn't played a lot of games. He hasn't played a lot of minutes. He's still kind of ramping up in his usage. But this is someone, when he's on the court, he makes his presence known. And if he continues this ramp up to play more and more as the season goes on, that's another weapon to have in Huntsville, Alabama at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, if the team's going to start hitting its stride right now, let's let's, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right now Tech ranks as the number one team in Conference USA. Their Ken Palm ranking is 88th. Uh, they are tied with Sam Houston, New Mexico State in terms of conference rankings and wins and losses. All three of those teams are three and one. Uh, Liberty right now, they've gotten two of their conference wins, fortunately for them. They're down to 95th 
in the Kempom rankings. Uh, Tech has the number one offense in Conference USA right now. Where's our defense rank? Our defense is number four. Okay. Um, and that's a good question because the two teams that rank first and second are this week's opponents, hmm. UTEP at number two and New Mexico State at number one in defensive efficiency, which is Ken Palm's overall stat of how good or bad an offense or defense is. So let's go ahead and talk about one of those teams and UTEP. This game will be on Thursday, January 5th at 6 p.m. Central at the TAC or streaming on ESPN+. Right now, the Miners are number 205 in Ken Palm, but 11-8 and eight on the year. They've also yet to win a true road game. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mentioned so how good their defense is, and then their overall ranking of number 205. So, Evan, can you tell me about how bad their offense is? <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of red here. The <laughs> The only thing that's green on their Ken Palm chart is they make it to the free throw line a lot. They are second in the nation in terms of free throws attempted to field goals attempted. So they get to the line. looks like on, am I reading this stat right? 50.6% of their field goal attempts end up in a free throw attempt. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. The, yeah, the stat I, is because you have two foul shots sometimes. Too yeah, and that's things true. like that. So it's but not quite, the, quite that second, simple, but still. The second most frequent in the entire NCAA. So, um, but you know, when they take shots that don't get them to the foul line, they are 254th in effective field goal percentage. They are 324th in three point percentage. And it doesn't really go up from there other than that. They get to the free throw line. Um, they turn the ball over a lot. They're within the bottom 10 of college basketball and turnover percentage. Um, they don't get a lot of boards or offensive boards anyway. And they have the ball stolen from them a lot. I mean, they're just not very, uh, not a very efficient offensive team. Yes. Or God, they suck. In other words, my God, one thing to be scared of here is those stats that you're looking at right now, Evan, are season long. Um, If you look at just conference play, they get a little bit scarier with a three point shooting Um, overall on the season. They're shooting 29.8% from three and conference play. It's 38.8. Wow. Which is a pretty big difference. Maybe maybe it's a small sample size and they'll regress to the mean soon. But I mean, that is a tick above average there. Yeah. The other thing is in conference play, they've gotten better at foul shooting as well. They were below average on the season, but second best in conference USA at foul shots at 73.9%. Also worth noting that they beat science and arts. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about their schedule. I meant to bring up science wow. and arts. Isn't it Oklahoma? Wow. Yeah. Do they what call is... themselves starts? <laughs> <laughs> what is their mascot? Well, it's a nucleus. It's, it's a yeah. Well, it's, you it's, the, it's the design from the it's Jimmy a, Neutron shirt. It's a nucleus. It's a nucleus shrouded in tea leaves. They are the the drovers. Sorry, the <laughs> the drovers. The drovers. There's a guy with a lasso on a horse in their logo. Uh, I like how there's a button on their website that just says recruit me. And then it asks you what sport you play. Uh, their motto is the college for the curious mind. Huh. I wonder if their uh, fight song is I Did It by Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> a drover is one who drives cattle or sheep. Oh. oh. It's an Australian term. Until 1965, oh. it was the Oklahoma College for Women. So they surely they destroyed the the 123 to 72 that's enough talking about 
other things to distract us from what is possibly a scary defense in UTEP. Uh, uh, I think Tech can handle it. Yeah, they should, right? But uh, the thing that the minor defense has been able to do effectively is force turnovers and stop threes. Uh, Tech has struggled a bit with turnovers on the season, and that plays right into UTEP's hands. Uh, second best in Division One enforcing those turnovers. But there are a couple of areas that the matchup favors Tech as well. The Bulldogs have been able to create some second chances through offensive rebounds, uh, you know, just allowing for more shots to be taken by your offense. And that's something that UTEP has struggled at. Uh, Tech is top 15 in getting to the free throw line, and UTEP is bottom 15 in allowing teams to get to the free throw line. So this will be a game where foul shots matter if it's close at all, because Tech will be heading to the stripe a lot on Thursday night. Well, I feel pretty good about this. Bulldogs are playing really well right now, and I have no reason to believe that they'll that they'll lose this one. Back home too. So, nice, nice little one. week at home here. So, yeah, I see no reason why they can't come out with the dub here. Uh, and you talk about how UTEP kind of forces people out of the three point opportunity, but I mean, how Isaiah didn't need many of those, and look what he did. Yeah, so uh, I mean, against Jacksonville State, we we were five for fourteen from three point. Um, we also shot sixty one percent from two, which helps. Yeah, I everybody wants to be the next Steph and Clay and whatever, and just shoot outside the arc a million times. But man, I play good defense and just hit your jump shots. You know, hit, hit your 15, 18 footers. You know, you don't need to you don't need to go out there and be Reggie Miller. Have that be your identity. That's one I can get behind. And luckily, UTEP doesn't have a Reggie Miller on their team as well. But uh, thank God, Kevin, is there anyone on this team that does scare you? Now, if they have Cheryl Miller, we're in trouble. <laughs> um, hundred points in a game. So, I mean, Tay Hardy is their leading scorer. Um, he's a shooting guard that uh, is averaging fifteen point six points per game. You know, really kind of thrives inside. He's he's shooting forty three percent from the field, forty two percent from the field. Um, I'm really intrigued by the matchup inside between Kevin Kalu and Daniel Bacho. Kalu's their tallest guy. He's six foot nine and he's their main center. He's pretty decent on the boards, but Bacho is about doubling him in terms of, you know, just kind of the raw output of rebounds per game. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if UTEP is able to like get Bacho in um, foul trouble. That that could be could make things interesting. Uh his name's Caillou? Kalu. Is he bald? Uh, okay, he said Caillou. He's, he is not bald. Yeah, you mentioned Tay Hardy at the top of your uh, player to watch. I'll, I'll dive a little bit more into him. He leads the team in two and three-point shots, just from an overall volume perspective. He's also on the court more than anyone else on the team and by quite a bit. 85% of the time, he's on the court for 34 out of every 40-minute basketball game. Uh, the next best player on the team in terms of being on the court a lot is 69%, which nice. Lamal. Yeah. is a slightly less funny 27.6 minutes per game. So wow. you will see his name a lot, whether or not he's hot or cold. We saw it with uh, Kiki this past weekend. Kiki Tandy. I remember his first name. Uh, Protect Kiki at all costs. If tech is able to shut him down, then it'll be a long night for UTEP. Yeah. This week though, we have two games, right? Yes, we also face off against New Mexico State, the Aggies, who are number 224 in Kempom. This game will be on Saturday, January 27th at 2 p.m. Central at the TAC or streaming on ESPN+. Plus. We get two home games this week. I don't think we've had two home games yet in conference play. Nice. Uh, the Aggies are 9-10 and 10 on the year, and they have also yet to win a road game. 
Really? So, okay, so we get both of these teams at home and neither of them have won a road game yet? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, let's see. Looking at their schedule. They eh. played Northern New Mexico and Western New Mexico. Wow. And then a team called Southwest, which I assume is not the airline. <laughs> it's just a bunch of their <laughs> It's just a bunch of their like stewardesses in a pickup league. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they call the flight attendants, there's the word. Yeah, they've basically played every imaginable New Mexico combination that you can you know, like they played New Mexico twice in a two week span, sandwiching northern New Mexico. Um, they played Western New Mexico, and I guess that's all the New Mexicos I can think of because that's that's who they played. <laughs> but like you said, Nathan, I mean they're nine and ten on the season. They beat UTEP at home by ten. Um, they beat Western Kentucky, which is interesting. That was also at home though, uh, seventy two to seventy, about a week ago, I guess, and beat Middle Tennessee. So they've started out pretty decent here in conference play, but they haven't exactly played the top teams like Tech yet. Um, but what can you tell me about how how they look on the court? Yeah, so when they're on offense, the Aggies, they are not a great shooting team. That's twice this week that we'll face off against some not-so-great shooting teams. They also struggle with turnovers and rebounds. They are the 15th best, though, at avoiding having their shots blocked, but that's because they rarely, if ever, get the ball into the paint. Only 35% of their shots come from at the rim. By the way, Texas, 57% of shots oh, come wow. from at the rim. That's a huge difference in game styles. But again, it's the defensive side of the ball that we have to be more afraid of going into this matchup against New Mexico State. Looking at Conference USA play, New Mexico State has the number one defense in Kempom. And shooting is not really the reason why. You know, three-point shooting, two-point shooting, both are around middle of the pack for the Aggies defending. It's rebounds. Defensive rebounds are what New Mexico State is so good at, is creating extra opportunities for their offense. But Tech is best in Conference USA play so far this year in offensive rebounds. So this will be a not a suck versus suck, but a good versus good matchup in terms of rebounding and who's able to clean up the glass more. Good news for Tech, though, is that New Mexico State is even worse than UTEP at giving up those extra free throws. Third worst in the nation at sending opponents to the charity stripe. Yeah. How many teams are there? I thought there were 362. 363, I believe. Okay. So I've got them second worst. That may have changed. I did these notes yesterday, so it's possible. Yeah. I've got them 362nd. Opponents get to the free throw line on 54% of their uh, field goal attempts. I actually still have the tab open from yesterday, and it's 361. So, yeah, when <laughs> those two teams moved down below them. Yeah, wow. So somebody had a had a good game yesterday, yeah. I guess. Um, also, it's interesting because, you know, you're, you're kind of using the conference-only stats here, Nathan. So through four games, they're first um, in, a, in a few categories. But across the broader stretch of the season, which, of course, is like a variety of opponents – you know, New Mexico is a very, very good team. They're 15th in Ken Palm right now, and New Mexico State, for some reason, lost to them twice. They're ranked 169th in defensive uh, defensive efficiency for the whole season. So I don't know if maybe they kind of go back to that this week and Tech is able to take advantage of some things that maybe Middle Tennessee wasn't, right? But it, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to continue that high level of play um, that they've started out with here, three and one in conference. Are they actually the number one defense in the conference? Probably not, but they're at least a good defense and they have been hot lately. And that 
is something to be concerned about with I guess I would feel worse about this if these games were on the road, but still, I mean, no game is going to be a cakewalk in Conference USA this year. Uh, But anyone on their roster stand out, Evan? Yeah, I'm trying to see where I recognize this guy's name from. So they have a player named Jordan Rawls, who was at Western Kentucky last year. And okay, this is really weird. He was at Western Kentucky in 2020, 2021, Georgia State in 2022, then Western Kentucky again in 23. And now New Mexico State for 24. So I thought I recognized that name, but we haven't played New Mexico State lately. So just for no other sake than we've played against him a lot, uh, I I guess I'll go with him. Uh, Jordan Rawls, let's see. He hasn't had great games against Tech in the past. So there's that at least. He scored like four points against us. Well, he scored 19 in 2020. How about that? Um, Wow. Yeah. My player to watch probably won't see the court in this game, but I can't not mention him. Oops. This guy's name is Yaak Yaak. <laughs> Y-A-A-K. First name. Well, last name. Y A A K. This man's name is Yak Yak. <laughs> From Adelaide, Australia. Okay, I found a video. I found a video of him being introduced at a game in Australia, and it was Yak Yak. So oh, okay. uh that is that is interesting. Yeah, he's played in seven games. He's a f- true freshman, but he is two of two from the free throw line and has not taken another shot. But again, his name is Yok Yok, so he's my player to watch. All right, so Lady Texters, right, before we do yes. our predictions? Yeah, this past week, the Lady Texters beat Jacksonville State themselves 67-53, to 53, which was a bit more soundly than Massey ratings was predicted. The Texters to win that game hugely helped by outscoring Jacksonville State 22-10 to in the first quarter. And that was in large part to, and I apologize if I get the pronunciation wrong, sophomore Anya Bukvik off the bench. Uh, she scored 10 points during Tech's 16-0 run to end oh, the wow. first quarter. Nice. She ends her night with 17 points, second only to, guess who, Analar Robertson, of, of course. Uh, of course. Robertson is just, has been great for as long as she's been on this team. Uh, Jacksonville State chipped into the lead a little bit throughout the match, but the Texters finished nearly as well as they started, ending on an 11-2 run and allowing no made shots in the final six minutes. Wow. Impressive. Yeah, Roberson ends up with 23 points, three rebounds. Salma Bates with 13 points. And then, yeah, off the off the bench, Bukvic, Buk, Bukvic, I don't know, uh, 17 points. So, yeah, I mean, just solid performance there from the textures across the board good defensive effort obviously when you hold an opponent to 53 yeah since the men's team will be at home this week the women's team will travel to utep and new mexico state uh these games are expected to be very close in these road matchups against the miners the texters are given a 46 percent chance to win this game by massey ratings a 67 to 65 final score predicted in favor of UTEP and against New Mexico State, a 54% chance to win this one, 60 to 58 final score predicted in favor of the Texters. So in total, the men are predicted to win both of their games against some pretty stellar defenses, and the women are predicted to play two very close matchups and win one of them. So a 3-1 week is what the polls are saying. What do we think? Are we thinking it's going to be that close? A 3-1 week sounds pretty good to me. Uh, or do we think that we win them all, Matt? We're winning it all. I'm starting to love this new Matt. Yeah. How do you see this week going, Evan? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
with the textures, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I think the men will win both of these games. We're at home and, uh, you know, two opponents that have played up during their, you know, the first like four conference games. But I think they're going to get a dose of reality this week coming to the tech where it's really hard to win and tech is playing very, very well. The texters, let's see, on the road. I mean, that's a tough trip. It's a it's a Thursday, Saturday trip. I'll say they split it. I, I'll say they beat UTEP but lose to New Mexico State. So three and one. I'll also say three and one, but I'll flip the texters games just to be a contrarian. Fair enough. And wow. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see who gets it right this week. Hopefully Matt gets it right and everybody yeah. wins, except for the teams that we're playing because that is yes. how sports work. That's, that is true. Um, yes. A couple other sports real quick. The Bulldog bowling team finished 10th at the Northeast Classic, according to this article. I don't, I don't understand how they finished 10th because it says they made it to the tournament's final round. I, I don't I don't understand. But um, yeah, in the tournament's final round, they were up three to one. And then Maryville came back and, and won four games to three in the uh, the finals. So I again I don't understand how they finished tenth place. I, I don't know. They're number four in the nation though right now. I don't know. Uh, Jacksonville State, who's number one in the nation, won the whole uh, tournament. So wow. anyway, there was also a tennis uh, match. Oh, tennis! You got tennis yeah, for me. I got tennis for you. Unfortunately, it's bad news. Oh, uh, the no. text the Bulldogs caught myself there. Uh, the Bulldogs tennis team lost to LSU five to two. Oh, um, yeah. And next up, they play Louisiana Christian in a few days. Um, Rodney Heath Jr. and Valentino Rudolph were named Conference USA Athletes of the Week um, in indoor track and field. Um, Heath was Track Athlete of the Week, and Rudolph was the Male Freshman of the Week. Um, let's see. You said Valentino Rudolph. I said Valentino Rudolph. Yes. Are you familiar with who Rudolph Valentino is? Uh, sounds familiar. Heartthrob actor of the 1920s. He uh, he died in his prime, but uh, I find it interesting that that guy's name is Valentino Rudolph. Are you sure you're not reading his name backwards? No, I mean, that's Are what it says. Are you also reading a press release about a 1920s actor? <laughs> that's true. Right after this, it says he starred in silent films. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, it says he finished first in the 200 meter and fifth in the 60 meter. Um, and his time of 21.35 in the 200 meters is second in Conference USA and 51st in the country. And then it says he stars in a silent film coming to theaters near you um, in 1924. It's actually the, the third uh, Avatar movie. <laughs> okay. James Cameron's going real weird with this next one. (laughs) Anyway, um, and then one final thing about the track team. It says they dominated the KMS Invitational at the Birmingham Sports Plaques. Sports Plaques? What is that? What? The Birmingham Sports Plaques on Saturday. Um, 13 top finishes at this Invitational um this past weekend so it sounds like the track team's doing all right right. yeah that's tech athletics for the week let's go to the tweet of the week we'll wrap it around back to football evan what's this week's tweet of the week ah yes um so many of you probably know this already but this week's tweet of the week is about 
a beloved fixture of our stadium being demolished. Um, and by beloved, I mean, not so much. The hill? Yes. The hill. Um, <laughs> they built it back up just to they, tear it back down. Yeah, they built it oh, again. No. Um, just to tear it down again. Uh, but no, the jumbotron was demolished this past weekend to make room, to make way for the North end zone facility, which is going to have like the, you know, academic plaza in it. Uh, for the student athletes and then it's also going to have student athlete tutor rooms study spaces computer lab conference rooms um, and life after sport programming areas and then the space will also be utilized on football home games enhancing the experience with a field facing balcony but there's also going to be a 10 millimeter led ribbon board and the largest um, video board in the state of Louisiana measuring 36 feet tall by 90 feet wide, which is twice as big as the old Jumbotron, that will be in its place. I don't know what the timeline on that is. Like, I don't, do we not have a Jumbotron for next season? I don't, I don't know. Um, But anyway, the tweet, which is what I'm supposed to talk about is uh, to quote the hall of famer, mama loves Manning, AKA uh, Teddy Allen. See ya. And then it's a video of the uh, the frame of the jumbotron being, you know, toppled to the ground. Is it ten millimeter? Yes, ten millimeters, ten picometers. Oh, depth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's so tiny. You can't see that from from any of the seats. Four K one centimeter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good excuse to talk about that. That tweet, and hopefully, it's built pretty soon, so that way we don't have a construction zone in the end zone again for too long <laughs> yeah i think the the academic plaza thing's supposed to be done in 25 but i think we have to have some kind of video board i don't know it says it will be installed in spring of 2024 but this article is from um august of last year so hopefully they're still on track for that and it'll be there you know for whatever games i get to go to between all my siblings getting married next fall <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where you can head to the shop and get this month's merch of the month. It's still January, so it's still our laissez-les-bon tech roulette bulldog with a Mardi Gras hat. <laughs> it's a great shirt, a great sweatshirt, and you should get it now while it's $5 cheaper than it will be on February 1st. gtpdd.dog slash shop. BB. BB. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die. playing NCAA football 06 on my oh, PS2. Man. I used to have 06. 06 is without a doubt the best uh, for a couple of reasons. It introduced Race for the Heisman, and it was such an incredible soundtrack. It introduced me to so many bands that I then became a fan of. It's a super nostalgic game for me. I absolutely love NCAA football 06. So when I was a kid, I went to GameStop to buy a used copy of NCAA 06, and this was after... <laughs> 08 had come out probably because I was that far behind 
And the guy behind the counter accidentally put NCAA 07 because <laughs> at, at GameStop, the jewel cases, they have to fill it in with a little disc behind the counter. Uh, real throwback here. And I realized it. I got really excited about it. Too excited. My mom realized what was happening and made us drive back over to replace <laughs> the game. So you're welcome, whatever GameStop employee that was, for not getting I'm, you fired that day. Why did, why did your mother force you to go back? Because honesty is the best virtue man, or something. I mean, with all due respect to your mother, but, mate, rob them hoes. <laughs> GameStop well, is a terrible That may have been the, the sale that kept them out of bankruptcy long enough to become a meme stock. So you're welcome, Internet. Wow. Yeah. You all owe Nathan 50% of your profits from your uh, Yeah, GameStop. give me all the Dogecoin <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. That did not work out well for me. <laughs> If I can sink my whole 401 in a doge. Anyway. <laughs> your, your financial advisor is just... <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, you dumbass motherfucker? Son of a bitch, dumb bastard. You blew all your money on a Shiba Inu coin? By, by <laughs> Ethereum, like the rest of us sophisticated financial advisors. I went to that meeting wearing a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth 7.8 cents. At a tight, it was sixty four cents. So, uh, yeah, it was something like that. I remember that uh, a few people I knew that put like a couple of stacks into it um, made a pretty pretty sweet profit. But uh, don't crypto people because you will get pregnant and die. <laughs>